The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, it's a Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Everything is fine. Everything is perfect. Everything <laughs> is awesome. It's the last day of August. This one crept up on us pretty quickly, and I was actually in the chair earlier than usual. August 31, 2023, we are one week away from the first game of the regular season, Lions at Chiefs. We will be there for that in the interim. Christopher is going to the big house, not the jail, although you never know (laughs) how far away he is from that at any (laughs) given moment. He's going to Michigan to do the East Carolina Michigan game. He won't see Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh, I believe, will see him somewhere, <laughs> yeah. peeking out from behind Where's a that plant jerk? as he lurks. <laughs> Seriously, what's he doing around my program? Let me make sure he's acting appropriately there. Oh, I know. Uh, it, August flew by, right? I mean, I just can't believe it's, you know, here in the Northeast, it's, it's back to school tomorrow for my kids. I see kids out on the streets today, you know, waiting for their first day of school, buses out for the first time, right? That was weird, like just driving down the street going, oh, wait, holy cow, there's school buses. Whoa, hold on, I got to stop here. You know, the, the bright lights are blinking and there's a stop sign coming out. Like, you know, you just you, you forget about it in that summer mode. So uh, it is strange, but man, did August fly by. Why is back to school Friday? I I, I don't know. So, like, in the Northeast forever, Mike, school when I was growing up, even when we moved back to the Northeast after, you know, my career was over, it was always the Wednesday after Labor Day, right? But I think because of, you know, climate change, they had a few weird winters here with some ice storms and things like that where there was, like, more than the allotted days they give you for snow days. And so now they try to, like, cheat a day or two before Labor Day just to, I think, cover their butts in in case it's a crazy weather winter again. And I guess if the first day is going to be worthless anyway, make it a Friday. Yeah, that's right. 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 If you're not going to do anything other than count heads and hand out rulers or whatever else they do on the first day of school, just do it on Friday anyway because no one's paying attention. No one wants to be there. They get to come back for one day, 
get themselves ensconced a little bit, and then they get a three-day weekend. When I was a kid, see, because school here starts like the middle of August. Yeah, I know it does. And right. I don't even pay attention anymore because it's been so many years since I've had a kid in school. But when I was young, and here comes the piano, I remember they had the Jerry Lewis Telethon every Labor Day weekend. Oh, that was and a Jerry Labor Day Lewis weekend. would become progressively disheveled over the course of however long the thing was, but it was always that Sunday, Monday, and that Monday had that pit of your stomach vibe. Oh, yeah. So you Jerry Lewis that? was always associated <laughs> with, I got to go back to school. <laughs> right. Like, why did he do it Labor Day weekend? You know, generations of kids see Jerry Lewis and think, oh, shit, I got to go back to school. So anytime I see Jerry Lewis, Lewis and Martin, Jerry Lewis here, Nutty Professor, whatever it may be, comic legend, my first thought is, I got to go back to school. Was there a bigger, like, I, I have reminders like that, too, where, you know, you just, my birthday is kind of like that. Whenever my birthday was coming around as a kid, I was, I was like, ah, oh, man, that means we're going back to school. But really, was there anything worse than that pit in your stomach? Like, I can sympathize with my kids a little bit right now because all week's a little bit like, oh, I can't believe we got to start school. Oh, my gosh, right? And, and like, I've been trying to make the point, like you've been saying, hey, you're going back one day, and then you got a three-day weekend. But you know what the kids think. They go, why even make us go back for that one day? Just we should wait till after Labor Day. But, man, I can remember not sleeping, like, those first, you know, day or two of school just because you were like, what? Where did the summer go? I can't believe it's all gone, and here we're starting school and homework again. So I do feel for, for the kids out there in that department. Yeah, you get this extended period of freedom. And when you're a kid, three months is like three years. You completely alter your existence to mesh with the fact that you don't have to be up. You don't have to do anything. You run around all the time. Kids actually entered the neighborhood unsupervised back in those days, as scary as it may now Crazy. seem to parents. <laughs> right. We actually left the house without a parent or guardian with us, and we would be gone for multiple hours at a time, come home for some lunch and go do it again, come home for some dinner, go do it again until it got dark. That feeling of the twilight getting deeper and deeper and you knew the day was over and you could right. maybe squeeze out a little bit more before you heard your mother yelling for you throughout the neighborhood to come home <laughs> right. for the evening. That's what summer was. And then it's just over and it's back to the regimen. It's back to being bored. It's back to fighting to stay awake. It's back to worrying about, yeah, homework, school, oh. church, homework, school, church, green beans, green beans, effing green beans. So... Sorry, kids, you're going back to school. Sorry, but kids. you do have one constant. In the morning when you're brushing your teeth, when you're eating your post-toasties or whatever cereal you have covered with sugar, you can watch PFT Live if you care. That's we right. We did it. You got to do it. It's just the way it goes. All right. So here's I now to change the subject a little bit, right? Um, true or false, you liked episode three of Hard Knocks. Well, it was actually episode four. Oh, it was episode, episode four. Last week. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Episode four. Did you like yeah. episode four of Hard Knocks? Well, I I liked two aspects of it. We're all right. Yeah, that's all right. I was going to go. Okay, here we go. Because the next one but, was true or false. But, you liked it just because it had the Sopranos song in it. 
<laughs> that was one of the reasons why I liked it. Okay. And I smiled the whole time, and I thought it was great. They do the Sopranos <laughs> open, recut for today's New York vibe, and and you see the hand on the steering wheel. And I didn't know it was going to be Aaron Rodgers or is it going to be Robert Sala. Same I don't here. even know that Aaron Rodgers has a driver's license, though. So it ends up being Sala. He should have had a cigar. He should have. Even if he didn't light it, he should have just been holding the cigar. But they, they they probably had to put you know a lot of work in just to get him to agree to have the damn cameras in his car as he's driving to work for their preseason game against the Giants. But I thought that was awesome. And they kept playing the music afterward, like portions of the song that you don't hear if you watch The Sopranos. So I just thought the whole thing was awesome. It, it was, was kind of like dog paddling along and then all of a sudden it was zipping through the pool like michael phelps i smiled i thought it was great i thought that part was awesome and it made up for some moments where except when fugazi magician was in the room it's kind of like yeah you know we've (laughs) seen this we've been there we've done that (laughs) yeah all right all right well at least it's a little there's a way Hey, uh, you know, there's HBO. Hey, we got one. At least finally he gave you a positive review here. Finally. It only took four episodes and a soprano song to give you a positive review. It was a good one, though. I did enjoy it. I I watched it last night. (laughs) I figured maybe if we say some nice things once in a while, they'll actually use a clip from our show. They use everybody else's show on the planet. We're one of the leading and most influential shows out there. Sorry, I know that sounds immodest, but it's 100% true. And they never use anything from us. So we'll grease you a little bit, HBO. Hard Knocks was good. Now put us in the freaking show. You got one episode left. I want to hear our voices, baby. Well, maybe maybe Rogers has got say over the final cut. And he says, hey, don't let that asshole oh. get on my on this damn hey. show with me. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what, though? I, I, I'm going to make an admission here. Okay. And I... Oh, baby, I think I know what's coming here. I think I know what's coming. (laughs) (laughs) It goes against every fiber of my being, everything I've known, everything I've believed, especially going back to two years ago. Yeah, I've been immunized in the aftermath of that. I'm starting to like the guy. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> starting to like this Aaron Rodgers. Uh, well, I really am. He's chippy. He's smart as hell. You see that, right? You see that side of him where he's leading and keeping. You know, he's he's got a little bit of everything there. And you always said, I have a weird feeling that we're more alike than we are different. And you're probably seeing some of that, you know, that quirkiness that you can relate to there. Well, and what I like is he has a great appreciation, unless it's all an act. And if it is, bravo, bravo, far better acting than he did during his cameo on The Office. Flag on the play. But but then, see, I'm building it up and tearing it right back down. (laughs) But there's just something about him that is kind of wistful and earnest and appreciative of where he is at this point in his career. Right. He understands that there's only so many more trips around the son as it relates to his football career he's enjoying everything he's embracing his teammates and even if it is a little bit of a subtle middle finger to green bay it still works and maybe maybe it's just real he was in a situation where he wasn't happy and now he's in a situation where he's happy and it really does show and it makes him likable he went from being guy who was very protective and secretive and didn't want anyone to form any opinions about him. Very guarded in everything he did. That's the way he was for maybe 10 years. 
Then a couple of years ago, he reached the screw it portion of his life where I'd rather have half the people love me and half the people hate me than 100% of the people not have an opinion about me. So he took that kind of heel turn that some people loved, some people hated, said some controversial things. That whole, yeah, I've been immunized thing was not good. That was a low point. That, yeah. was, that was not good. Under the circumstances and playing the word games, nobody likes anybody that plays those stupid word games. Like, I got you, got you. You didn't ask the follow-up question. I said immunized, not vaccinated. You dumb reporters should have asked me the follow-up question. That was a bad look. But, but now, you know, he's, he's grown. He's changed. We're all capable of changing. We're all capable of maturing. We're all capable of evolving no matter how old we are. We're not locked in. I remember one time when I was in high school, I was taking like college class on the side. They offered early credits. And I remember the professor said something like your personality set by the time you're five years old and it's never going to change. And I thought, bull crap. We change all the time. Sure. We change. We evolve. We grow. We become more comfortable with certain experiences, less comfortable or less interested in others. And we, we make our path. We're not set. It's not predetermined who we are. Before we even go to school for the first time, before we ever see the first Jerry Lewis telethon and have that pit in our stomach, that's baloney. So I feel like he's changing, he's growing, he's evolving, and he's likable now. Yeah. I, and I, I can admit yeah. that. Yeah. I've grown, I've changed, I've evolved. I like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I can't believe I said it. Yeah, I like it, Aaron Rodgers. See you later, Kirk Cousins. See you later. You're done. All right. He's tossing you to the side. I, I mean, I, I hear you. It, it's like, I do think, you know, like you said, the change of scenery, the energy, all that, uh, I'm sure has brightened up his day. You know, you think about what he's kind of gone through in Green Bay, right? I know he was the man there forever, but the last few years, you got to be walking in the building sometimes. If you're Aaron Rodgers with a little bit of like, ah, here's, you know, Mark Murphy and Gudenkust. Oh, my gosh. Are they really on my side? Are they rooting for me to fail? Are they... You know, are they just waiting for, the, for me to drop off just a little so they can get rid of me? It's just, those are, you know, annoying vibes, especially for a quarterback. And I'm not blaming anybody in Green Bay or whatever. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation. I could see Rodgers, you know, having that, you know, just hang over him the last few years. So, yeah, there is a, a, a just a youthfulness about him. He's so freaking smart, right? Even when, like, they had the thing with the cutting of the hair, whatever the hell was it, the Floby or whatever the hell it was? Floby, like, he didn't know what the Floby was. But he I, knew the actor in it. Floby he is. knew the guy in it. That's what I was amazed by. Like, he knew the guy in the commercial. I was like, who knows that guy, right? And and to the other thing you said, Mike, I, I think, I mean, he between this and if they get off to a decent start and win some football games – It'll be, the, I think, going to be the one of the most unbelievable 180, you know, turns in public perception on Aaron Rodgers that I think we've seen in football recently because I just think this show has done nothing but good for him, you know, in the public eye at least, certainly up here in the Northeast, but I think through, you know, most of football fans. So, kids, the lesson is this. Lock yourself in a dark closet for five days and you will come out a changed person and everyone will love you, whereas previously they were polarized about their opinions of who you are, what you are, and how they feel about you. But seriously, seriously, I mean, all kidding aside, he is very likable in the show, and I find myself wanting to see the Jets do well. And I'm always... I don't want to be one of these people that is rooting for the flavor of the month or whichever team were happening 
to talk about at any given moment. Yeah, go Jets. Yeah, go Dolphins. Yeah, go Bills. Yeah, go Patriots. I mean, I don't like that cheerleader aspect of being on TV and talking about the NFL. Our opinions are real, and there are teams that we have harsh opinions about, and there are teams we have good opinions about, and we share our opinions, whatever they are, and we don't sugarcoat it. We don't change it. I just have a good feeling about the Jets this year, a team that, you know, was just always kind of there. They haven't been very good. They haven't been good on a consistent basis. It's more little spikes on the yeah. you know, otherwise flat, flat line for the Jets. And it's interesting. They're interesting. What do I like? I like things that are interesting. I like stories that people will want to read about. And I and will want to, it makes our job easier. I guess that's the bottom line. I like the teams that make our job easier. And those teams are at either end of the spectrum. A team like the Jets that looks like they're going to be good and they have some juicy storylines we can discuss. Or a team like the Cardinals that is a complete and total cluster you-know-what. And we got plenty of stuff we can talk about with them. But it's more fun to talk about, especially on the brink of the season. It's more fun to talk about the good. That's one thing I've, I've learned eventually. And wow. maybe I relearn it every year. It's hard as you get closer to the season to have honest opinions that are in any way negative about any team because every fan is thinking, hey, we're 0-0 zero and zero and this year could be the year. It all falls together. Even if things don't look good, you never know. That's why they play the games, as a wise man once said. So I get a lot of pushback. I got a lot of pushback from our bit about the Bills yesterday. Maybe being third place or fourth place in the AFC East. Bills fans don't want to hear that now. They're zero and zero. Yeah. We don't want to hear that when I we're hear zero you. and zero. Cardinals fans, Cardinals fans don't want to hear how dysfunctional their team is because they're zero and zero and there's hope there. So this is the toughest time of year to have anything remotely approaching a negative opinion about a team because all the fans are juiced up. They're like the the runners at the start of a race. And they're ready to go. And maybe I can win this thing. If everybody else drops dead along the way, I'll win this thing. And they just have that sense of optimism that they don't want to have pierced by reality. And we're the pin that pricks the reality. That's probably the best word to use there. Pricks the reality. And, and they don't want to hear it. And they get mad at us for being the ones to say it. So this is a weird time of year. So all that said... Go Jets. <laughs> I'm just happy about the Jets. I'm with you. I, I, it's a great story. It is. It's cool. It's cool to see a team that, like you said, has kind of been all over the place to have a chance here to maybe build something and be consistent. And the guy, a legend who never had a team, you know, really go all in on him here at the end of his career, he's got that, right? You know, and I also think, like, seeing some of the – the jerkiness of Aaron Rodgers is a good thing too, right? You know, I mean, to me, what, what, uh, you, you, you like the Sopranos, right? All that stuff. The, the Rodgers, you know, getting mad. Rodgers talking crap to Jihad Ward and getting oh, in his face. That was great. It is great. I think that stuff, that goes over really well with fans and gives you a real look of what it's like on the football field. Let's have a look and a listen at the little back and forth between Aaron Rodgers and Giants pass rusher Jahard Ward from the most recent episode of Hard Knocks, the one to which I give two thumbs up. Bootleg out to the left, flipping it left. McCall Hardman. Bro, that goes in respect, bro. Come on, what the is that? Five damn sets? I don't even know who you are, bro. I don't know who you are. You don't? I've never heard of you. And the officials haven't separated Jihad Ward and Aaron Rodgers. Drops back, lobs one, front left pylon. It is caught, Garrett Wilson. That's a Jet touchdown. 
poke the bear. Hey, bro. Hey, hey, I'm not gonna oh. hurt you. Then I gave him the line that's uncome back with the bowl. I said, I don't even know who you are. But he said, he said, I don't know who you are. I said, both. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's not quite a word from the guy who went to Cal, who was one of the smartest players to have ever played the game. But it still works because and look, look, I think if if it ever went sideways between Jihad Ward and Aaron Rodgers, I'm probably putting my money on Jihad Ward. Uh, of course, that's what made it even better right. that Aaron Rodgers was just ready to get in his face and ready to call it out and ready to go after him. And and that I don't even know who you are. That really is something. What can you say? It's hard in to come back. To that? It, remi- right. it reminds me of one of the all-time great moments on the platform formerly known as Twitter when Pat McAfee was given the franchise tag by the Colts and Ross Tucker had the misfortune of chiming in. We're going to have to reconsider what we call this thing if they're going to apply it to punters. And McAfee's response went along the lines of, easy there, guy nobody knows. <laughs> that one's a hard one to come back from. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to come back. Where do you go from that, right? You gotta, that's one that catches you off guard a little bit. And, you know, the next thing you want to do is say it right back. But, like, that's a, that's a lame – it's a weak response, right? I mean, it's weak. He's got a jihad word, I guarantee, got made fun of in the locker room for his lack of being able to come up with something better other than telling the second most famous player in football right now, I don't know who you are, right? So he's definitely getting clowned for that. But, yeah, that, that's, that's a tough one. You better have something ready, you know, to, to answer back with that one. I don't even know what the proper response is there, but that, that's Rogers next level thinking right there. Oh no, it was great. And it was great to see him react the way he did. It was a late shove. It was one of those gratuitous little elbows to the chest that you see from time to time. It's the kind of stuff the NFL tries to iron out of the game. They don't want acrimony that leads to guys looking for opportunities to apply those late hits clean, dirty, or otherwise, and that was late. That was unnecessary, and apparently yeah. this was Jihad Ward acting out some frustration because earlier in the game, Jets receiver Randall Cobb applied an illegal blindside block and was flagged for it and will surely be fined for it. Here's the play if you're watching on Peacock. That, that is a play that used to be perfectly legal and would draw oohs and ahs, and that's a football play. As it's written now in the rule book, that's a blindside block. You get flagged, you get fined, and it's still pissed off Jihad Ward. I don't know why he's taking it out on Aaron Rodgers, though, with a little a little shovey-shovey after Rodgers got rid of the ball, but that's what Ward decided to do. Yeah, I mean, he, I, you know, he's trying to stick up for his own. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish there by, you know, like you said, nudging Aaron Rodgers five steps after he throws the football. That's only going to really, you know, you mess with that or play with fire like that. It's only a matter of time in the NFL season before you get unnecessary roughness or, you know, hey, we know how they protect these quarterbacks. If Rodgers just tripped and fell after he pushed him right there, they'd have thrown a flag probably. So that's where you got to be smart. I'm shocked Randall Cobb, right? I mean, I know we, he, he, his first five, six years in the NFL, that was a legal block. He was going kind of straight down the line. I know that's what he tried to argue. But, again, we know. The NFL, they know guys are smart enough now to where, hey, you know, going back to your own goal line or any time a guy's just that vulnerable, you don't need to clean his clock. Just get in front of him and don't let him make 
don't let him make the tackle. And that's where the games change, and I can get behind the safety of, of shots like that. I think that the rule actually is, and I have to look at it, it may be parallel or toral drill. Yeah, maybe it line. is parallel, It may not too. even be. Right. I think if it's parallel, too, it's, it's a problem. But, but that's a flag they throw now all the time. We see that hit very rarely. Remember when – Heinz Ward broke the jaw of the USC linebacker Keith Rivers playing yeah, for the Bengals. That's right, number like 56 that. on the Heinz Bengals. Ward was known right. for blocks like that. The idea is if you're going to be hit by somebody, it should happen under circumstances where you have a fair chance to People see it. People are aware. Where you don't have to keep right. your head on a swivel. Right. The head on a swivel thing no longer applies because those hits have been taken out of the game because this is all part of the broader push for health and safety. Yeah. So Cobb yeah. did it, and his wife was fretting about the fine. Apparently, he's been fined in the past to the tune of $19,000. That's the number she threw out there. But that's a nice chunk of money, and in hard knocks, the, the uh, footage included back and forth between Cobb and Rogers over what Cobb did, and apparently we have it. So here's... Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers discussing the hit that Cobb applied. Rodgers under center. Takes the snap. Play action. Drops back. Flips it left. Wide open left left. And getting loose is Tuckman with a flag down. Randall Cobb's going to get for a blindsided hit. That was a great block, I thought. Is that yeah. Personal foul. Blindside block. Number 18 the offense. Come on, man. We'll probably get a fine in the mail here soon. Cobby got lost all his training camp money. My bad, man. My bad. What are you doing, bro? This ain't 2014. I forgot. I forgot. I just, I blacked out. I blacked out, all right? I ain't been ever hit nobody in a while. That was a great line by Rogers there, too. What are you doing, bro? This ain't 2014. Yeah, because right in 2014, that was a clean and legal hit, and now you just don't do it. And Cobb came flying in with that hit. And, and so that's what fueled Ward's frustration and manifested itself in him applying the hit to Aaron Rodgers. And uh, it was, it was, look, I, I liked it because it was something different from the usual cookie cutter, hard knock stuff where it's different year, different team, same overall content. That was a nice little package of moments from that preseason game between the Jets and the Jones. Oh, it was great. It was great. It really was. I mean, you could feel the energy in the stadium for a preseason game number three. It was pretty real. You know, there was obviously some Jets fans who bought some tickets off some Giants fans, you know, for their home preseason game to be there. So the crowd seemed like it was, I don't know, maybe 60-40 Giants-Jets there. You know, I mean, even Rogers, you know, watching it live, watching him come out, right, and his way of saying hi to all the Jets fans, right? I mean, didn't you think that was funny and cool too? He he comes out and he kind of runs in a circle and does this, right? You know, it just he's he's got a unique way about him that I do appreciate, and uh, yeah, it, it it was cool to see. You're right, and 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 uh, I'm glad they got that block out of the game. That's that's something that needed to go. So it, it's smart by the NFL in that department. Aaron Rodgers also seemed to be unduly impressed with the fact that he came up with Jet Life Stadium. And I have a feeling we're going to hear it referred <laughs> right? to as Jet Life Stadium whenever the Jets play there this year, even when they play the Giants. They better not do that. He Jets. better not do that. That's where my relationship <laughs> will end with Aaron Rodgers. He better watch it. We get to see them in the regular season, all right? I mean, as much as you know, Aaron Rodgers is my favorite quarterback, and I like Robert Sala and the Jets and know a lot of people there. My blood is blue. It's the G-Men Stadium. We know that. Come on. <laughs> 
So Sterling Shepard of the Giants already has complained about the JetLife Stadium thing. It reminds me of the Burrowhead comments last year, which really did stir up the Chiefs for the AFC Championship. Here's why Jahard Ward was stirred up. He complained after the fact, and this was in the media yesterday, he didn't like how this was all portrayed and characterized. There's a reason why I shoved Rodgers like I did. The reason why is because I don't let any of my mother effing teammates get knocked over. And Randall, what's his name? Randall Cobb, he knew what he did. That was some cheap S-T. But it's like, if I see anything on the field, I got to do what I got to do. This ain't no rah-rah this, that, and a third. I don't do all this internet stuff. I'm going to let them have it. At the end of the day, I don't want anyone out here thinking I was trying to cause a scene. There's a reason why I do things. That was some sucker bleep that Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers did, and I'm stamping on that. I ain't hiding from nothing. Laugh now, cry later. They're going to entertain. They're going to do show his part, HBO. They weren't even in the whole scenario with what went down, so they're going to show his side of the story and make me look like a sucker. But I ain't going for that. My side of the story is I'm not going to let any of my teammates get knocked down like that. They know what they did. They were laughing and all that stuff. They know what they did. I know what he did. The coaches know what he did. My teammates know what he did. I'm the only one that's sticking up for Bobby McCain. The whole team was pissed off about the hit, preseason and all that stuff, and you're going to do some reaction and all that shit. Oops. That's how they roll, and I think we play them soon. I don't play no man. I don't be on the field on some like Mike stuff like, hey, oh, my God, it's Aaron. I don't care about none of that. I don't care who you are. When you're on that field, you have no respect. So it is what it is. You don't got to know me. That's fine. And, again, that comes from the New York Post. Thank you very much, New York Post. By the way, they play again. And some of that may. Oh, it's got to trickle over. It's got to. Another game to circle. You got the Broncos. Yeah. Thank you, Sean Payton. Yeah. You got the Giants. Thank you, Jihad Ward. So it's going to be a talking point. It's going to be a focal point, And it just makes the season a little more A fun. little juicier. Well, listen, you know, the Giants are usually king of the town. I, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but, you know, they, they got a little bit of a deeper-rooted history in the New York City area. It, 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 it's getting towards a time where even though they're not in the same conference that I'm sure Giants players and the Giants organization sick of hearing about the Jets a little bit. Uh, I, you know, it, it, it's Jets overkill here. It, so I, I, I would think they're kind of sick of that. And then, of course, yeah, the game. And then, hey, Jihad Ward, see, he saw, I'm guessing he saw them laughing in the huddle when he was going, hey, this ain't 2014. And he's like, wait. My, my teammate just got a concussion because of that crap. Now, the Jets weren't laughing at the hit or the injury or anything like that, but I understand Jihad Ward taking it like that. He's sitting there over there going, hey, they, they think that's funny that our guy just got hurt there. I understand that. It is, hey, football, I respect Jihad Ward's stance there. I do, and I wouldn't mess with him. I mean, damn, he's 6'5", he's 290-pound outside linebacker. He will whoop the crap out of most people on planet Earth. Bobby McCain suffered a concussion on the play. And I think part of Ward's frustration is that he saw the episode and he saw how he was characterized in the episode. He didn't get a chance to give his side of the story. So that's what he did yesterday. So people would understand he just wasn't taking a cheap shot for the sake of taking a cheap shot. He was frustrated and upset that the hit happened. His teammate got injured. And they were laughing about it. Whatever the reason, whatever the basis for the laughter, they were acting like it was no big deal. It was ah-ha-ha funny. And that all came together, and he decided to take a little shove at Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers reacted the way he did. And by the way, I had a dream last night that for whatever reason, it was October 29. And coincidentally, and maybe this is a sign, October 29 is the day that the Jets 
play the Giants. It's at 1 o'clock Eastern. Are you kidding me? That's a 1 o'clock Eastern game? A lot game? of people have been surprised by that up here. Yeah. Can we begin the process of laying the foundation where you and I can get a dispensation to attend the game oh. and then make the trip back to the studio for Football Night in America? Oh. It's not that far. How about we don't make the trip back to the studio and we just do a hit from the game and be like, hey, we're here. We're kind of drunk with the Jets and Giants fans. Good luck <laughs> to you guys in the studio. <laughs> I think that sounds better. <laughs> uh, um, All right, but we'll see. That, that would be awesome. I mean, hey, it's a Giants home game, if I remember correctly. I know a guy is. or two it that is. are connected to the Giants. We can get some season, some tickets there. I think we can we can handle that if NBC will let us go. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it will take probably two months to work that out. So we'll get started on it right now. All right, something that may get worked out in the next two months because October thirty one is the trade deadline. So Jonathan Taylor either will be traded or won't be traded by the time that window closes on Halloween. Yesterday, Colts general manager Chris Ballard met with reporters to discuss the situation. Now, quick summary. Taylor wanted out. They gave Taylor an opportunity to try to find a suitable trade. The deadline was Tuesday. The deadline came and went, and they put Jonathan Taylor on the reserve physically unable to perform list, knocking him out for at least four regular season games. That's where it stands. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward. Here is Chris Ballard from yesterday describing where the current relationship is with Jonathan Taylor. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. care deeply for Jonathan Taylor. I have great respect for Jonathan Taylor. Um, our relationship, I would tell you, is, look, even when it gets hard, I, I, won't, I won't quit on the relationship. won't do it. I think too much of the young man. I think too much of what he's given our organization and how hard he's played for us. And what sucks... I mean, the situation, I'm not going to sit here and give you some rosy picture like, oh, this is just, everything's okay. No, it sucks. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor. And it sucks for our fans. This is the first time I've really dealt with this kind of, that's what's so, I'm disappointed because, you know, we've never dealt with this before. That's why it sucks. Like, we've, I mean, we've done a good job. 
you know, making sure communicating, making sure the player knew where they stood, um, what we were going to do going forward. So, you know, there's always a first. This happens from time to time. It's just something we work through. I told Jonathan this. I said, I don't want to say something that is not true. Right. Like, I don't want to lead him down. I don't want to lead him down a path and say, okay, give it. And then it, and then he looks at me and says, well, you're a liar. That, no. And you're not going to do that. I don't, you don't want to make false promises that you can't keep, especially with players, because the second you do it, you're done. Like, I know it looks not the best right now, but I know I've never lied to him. I know that for never lied to them. The running market is what it is, but look, great players are what they are too. So I, I think that all works. I think there's a. So in that case, is JT, I'm assuming JT's a great player, then why not pay him? We won four games last year. Now, that last part to me was the lightning bolt moment where it made it abundantly clear that despite all the respect that Chris Ballard has earned, over the course of his career, and he is very respected, and he's regarded as honorable. The problem is his hands are tied by the guy who writes the checks, or, as the case may be, who doesn't write the checks. This is Jim Ursay. Jim Ursay is running this show. When the response is, when you say you pay great players, and the question that you get, why aren't you paying this guy then, and your response is, we won four games last year, well, what is that? The, of course they won four games last year. You know why they won four games last year? They bench Matt Ryan for the rest of the season, unless they don't. They fire Frank Reich. They hire a guy who was over his skis, so far over his skis, he didn't know he was wearing skis to be the interim coach. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor's fault they won four games. So why would that be the excuse for not paying Jonathan Taylor? We won four games last year. So what? Plenty of great players on bad teams get paid. They're the only reason people come to the games. We're a bad team. Let's... Go we watch. appreciate our great right. players. Yeah. Yes. So, so to me, that was Chris Ballard not lying, not lying, but just avoiding the candid response, which is, come on, man. This is what the owner wants to do. And he's done it before. He's done it before. He's the common link back to what they did with Marshall Falk. They draft him in the first round in 1994. He's a great player. Did they ever sign him to a second contract? Do they? Do they? No. They traded him. Then they replaced him with Edger and James. Ever signed him to a second contract? Do they? Do they? No. no. <laughs> they let him walk away, and they drafted Joseph Adai. So that's what Ursay wants to do, I believe. I think all the evidence is there. Every way this is played out. Chris Ballard wanted to try to finesse this, and I think if Chris Ballard was given the, the keys to the, to the vault or the combination, right, to the safe, he'd add a little. He would say, "Let's pay this yeah, guy. Let's I pay would, this guy." I, I would think so, right? But but Ursay wants, I believe, again, he I, I, he's never said this, but his actions and his words point to this conclusion. Chris. I agree with you there. Four years with Jonathan Taylor, franchise tag him once, maybe twice, and then bye bye. We'll go draft somebody else. I I I, I agree with a lot of what you said. First off, I think your thoughts are are you know there's a lot of people I think in league circles that they believe that too. You know the, the the thing I think of here, Chris Ballard's a pretty smart guy. You know, like you said, he's respected. He knows the game. He was taught by some smart people when he was coming up the ranks in the NFL. Right? 
he understands where his team is at and how valuable a guy like Jonathan Taylor would be. So, so, you know, to the point you made, I would think that he wanted to pay him, give him a sweetener, whatever it might be. And to the other point of Ursay, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. But like I said, I think people around the league think that this is Ursay's got some say in this matter. No doubt about that. I, I think you, the history you brought up is real. And then I think when we just dive back into early training camp, it's weird for an owner to even get involved in some of the comments he made, other than if it's like the quarterback. That's the only time we even hear the the owner talk about money, contracts, things like that. When it's the quarterback, Ursay got involved in this. And then, you know, threw, threw some, some gasoline on the fire with, with some tweets that he put out there too, which was unusual, which would also make you believe that, he was not in the corner or the camp of, hey, let's pay the running back and try to figure out a middle ground here. He seemed like he was pretty much set on this ain't happening. And right, like he said in this tweet, it ain't happening. And if you're not happy, the NFL will go on and blah, blah, blah. I know I'm paraphrasing, but that was the basic, you know, gist of it. Well, and that's right. And that points to this idea that they were never going to offer him a long-term deal. One of the Items that emerged during those few weird days before it calmed down a little bit was the notion that they had never even made him an offer, never even talked to him about a long-term contract. They weren't going to do that. They were going to let him get through four years. They're going to tag him, and they're going to tag him again, and then they're going to let him go, if they even tag him a second time. Now, I think what's going to happen, Chris, is one of two things. They're either going to trade him before October 31, or they're going to tag him and trade him in early 2024. I think that's one of the two alternatives. I don't see this resolving itself in a way that he continues to play year to year for the Colts because it seems like it's done. He's not. It's exactly. And the only way this changes is if Jim Irsay realizes the error of his ways here and decides We're going to mend this. And the best way to mend it, look at what's going on with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders now. Josh Jacobs has no hard feelings. No, because he won. He got what he wanted, or at least got something close to what he wanted. He got a better contract by holding out. He's going to get up to $12 million this year, no hard feelings. That's the way you get rid of the hard feelings for the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. You just give Chris Ballard permission to sign Jonathan Taylor to a long-term contract, and you work out a fair contract. But I feel like, Chris, it's... It's too late for that, and I think Chris Ballard knows it's too late for that. I, 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 I would think so. I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor, if I was him, I'd, I'd have a hard time feeling good about the Colts. That's for sure. You know, yeah, in my heart of hearts, do, you know, do I think if Ballard had just a free, free blank slate to do whatever he wants, he would give a sweetener or something to make, you know, try to make ends meet here for, for Jonathan Taylor? And honestly, you know, I mean, obviously, Ursay, you know, has an issue with this and this subject altogether. But where, where I, I think they dropped the ball, right? And, and by all due accounts, it seems like it's Ursay, is here's where one, hey, he's one of your best players. We know that. But more importantly, if you're thinking really big business, big picture, like state of the organization, Jonathan Taylor's value is more about he protects the most valuable asset in your football team right now. 
That, to me, is where I would have thought about, you know, let's make sure we get him in here. The most valuable asset for the Indianapolis Colts right now is the fourth pick of the draft, Anthony Richardson, right? Now, without him, yeah, it changes the dynamic. It puts more pressure on him. They might have a harder time making plays now. What are they going to do? They're not going to go, oh, let's just keep running up the middle and doing nothing here after we're 0-3. They're going to go, you know, let's let's maybe add a little more to Anthony Richardson here because we're struggling. We can't find, to get, find ways to get big plays and get offensive mojo going. So that, to me, is where – you know, it hurts not only the team in the in the the, the the right now moment, but also, you know, it's it's a little dangerous and risky for Anthony Richardson's long term development, I think. And see, this is one of the reasons why the NFL is such an intriguing sport to follow. And this is true of all American professional sports. You have these finely tuned, multi billion dollar business operations, sports operations. But they're ultimately run like a mom-and-pop shop where the team gets handed from generation to generation. And as I've said before, and I mean no disrespect to Jim Irsay, but if you had to take some test to be able to own and operate an NFL team, he would fail it. And this is the prime example of it. This is a failure on him. You laid it out perfectly. They need Jonathan Taylor to be there to allow Anthony Richardson to properly develop. They need him to be there. They need him to be motivated, and they need him to be effective because he takes heat off of Richardson, lets Richardson have the game slow down for him. So the money you don't have to pay Richardson in the early years of his contract relative to what it used to be, all the more reason to give that money to Jonathan Taylor. And they thought they were going to pull it off one year at a time. That's where it went sideways. They thought this grift... Ursay, not Ballard. Ursay thought this grift was going to work. Four years of his rookie contract, tag him once, maybe tag him twice, and then we go out and draft somebody to come in once we've got our franchise quarterback established. And now, because the guy's pushing back, Ursay pushes back, and it turns into a big, ugly mess that Chris Ballard wishes would just calm down and they could find a solution. But there is no solution. And Chris... We've mentioned in the past that Ballard was on PFTPM right after the 2022 draft. Yeah. And he invoked the Mike Tomlin line, you want volunteers, not hostages. And it was in the aftermath of Devontae Adams trade, Tyreek Hill trade, A.J. Brown trade. It wasn't anything specific to the Colts. But he said something else there, too. I'm looking at the quote right now. And I think this is very telling. And it speaks to the frustration that you could feel coming from him as he chose his words very carefully. It's hard to win one game. Sometimes I think people forget that. Just like winning one game on Sunday is hard. And then to win enough games to get into the playoffs and make a real push is very difficult. So everybody has got to be paddling in the same direction and working together to get that done. And it doesn't take much to get the boat off course if you don't have that happening in your building. That's why he's so dismayed. The boat is off course because this Jonathan Taylor team, a thing has taken over the team. This is what he wanted to avoid. And the problem is the ultimate captain of the boat doesn't get it. The ultimate captain of the boat, frankly, shouldn't be an owner of an NFL team, in my opinion. But there's a damn thing anybody can do about that, even Chris Ballard. He can't get Jim Irsay to listen, and this is where we are. No, no, I, you know, I, uh, you're right, and I think Ballard's right in a lot of what he said, and I think that's why you're seeing them 
you know, hey, whatever, you don't want to be here, go ahead, IR, whatever. They're doing that because of, of the things you talked about. Plus, what they don't they don't want their franchise young quarterback hearing Jonathan Taylor say all these negative things in the locker room like we talked about. Again, you know, he's he's gonna be he's one of the most physically gifted people on the team. And as we've always talked about, players follow that. So when that guy starts to go, hey, the owner sucks or this organization doesn't know how to treat players, right? It just creeps into guys' brains there. And if things go bad and all of a sudden you're sitting there in 08, 08, now you got 12 people in the locker room going, this place sucks, they don't know how to treat people. And then it's 1 in 13, and the whole locker room all of a sudden is going, this place sucks, they don't know how to treat people. And that's when you get fired and things like, and all bad things happen. So uh, <clears throat> I think Ballard's doing the best he can. Uh, it's unfortunate, and uh, it's unfortunate for everybody because I don't know where this is going to go. I think ultimately, like you said, it's trade one of those two ways, deadline or after the season. And we're going to play a little more ballad sound coming up, but this just underscores the reality that there are some owners in the league who are not good, and the problems from the team flow from them. And the owners who get it love having owners like that around. It makes it easier to compete when a third of the league – is run by dysfunctional ownership that doesn't know basic things like you pay your great players. Here's Ballard talking about trade talks that happened for Jonathan Taylor and the future between Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts, if there even is one. Did we give him permission to seek a trade? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I'm not going to get into the details of teams, what was offered and what wasn't offered. But what I'm going to tell you is, Jonathan is valuable, um, and at the end of the day, we're not, you know, I'm not just going to let him walk out the building. I'm not going to do That's not the best thing for the Colts. Chris, will he rehab here? Yes. And will you still let his camp seek out and trade offers? And- yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get into trading. I'm not going to get into hypotheticals. I'm not going to get into that. You know, right now, Jonathan Taylor's a, a Colt. Chris, do you see any scenario? Where Jonathan Taylor plays for the Colts again? Of course there is. Of course. Yeah, I mean, there's a scenario, and the scenario is we sign him to a long-term contract. The scenario is the owner of the team lets me do my job and fix this and give this guy a contract that he has earned so he'll be here to be the guy that allows our franchise quarterback to develop. That's how it would happen. Now, look, I still think, the more likely outcome is trade by October 31 or trade under the franchise tag next year. And it's going to take some work to turn that around. And the guy that's got to have the epiphany isn't Chris Ballard. It's Jim Irsay. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yes. You know, it, it, to me as a guy, you know, on the outside looking in, it, it seems like this thing's gone a little too far down the road to maybe, you know, mend, mend the fences here mend the bridge what the hell is it whatever <clears throat> it's one of those things Mend fences okay well mend we're, fences <clears throat> we're mending fences yeah I, I think it might be a little too far down the road here we'll, we'll see where it goes um but you know I, I i didn't think the trade was going to happen the last few days right and and i think even the trade during the season is still something to watch for here one we don't know how real his ankle injury is two you know even getting traded Okay, yes. I mean, again, he's still going to – if he gets traded, he's still going to be wanting more money and, and, you know, a new contract and all that. 
So that's where I'm, I'll be interested to see at least the, the market that might be available for him before the trade deadline. And there will be a point, I think, Chris, where Jonathan Taylor would just accept a trade as is, knowing that he's got leverage after the season via the franchise tag. Just trade me to some other team. The fact that they give up something that would get the Colts to say yes right. puts them in a position where they're going to have to pay me. So they don't have to pay me now. Let me come back and play half the season, establish myself that way, and then they can pay me later. And look, from the Colts' perspective and from a potential new team's perspective, if you're going to be surrendering 2024 draft assets anyway, there's an argument to be made to just wait until 2024. Why are we doing this now? Why are we doing the one of my favorite sayings, changing the tire on a moving car? Why are we doing this? Why are we complicating our lives right now? Unless there's a contender out there yeah. that loses the starting running back to yeah. injury right. and was thinking about him anyway, uh, let's go ahead and do this thing, and he helps us now, and he helps us later. Let's make this happen. That's the way to do it. But I see that. So October 31 comes and goes. Yeah. That window is still open, right. and something could happen. All we know is – He's not going to play for the first four games of the season for anyone because he's on the reserve physically unable to perform list because of the ankle injury that may or may not be real. And we know, and we talked about this yesterday, there's suspicion, at least by Ursay, that it's not real. That's where that chatter came from about right. moving him from the pup list to the non-football injury list to call his bluff and say, it's really not a football injury. We're not going to pay you. We're not going to let you milk this ankle injury that we don't believe is a real injury so you can get paid to not play. That, I think, is part of this frustration that Ursay has because he doesn't understand that, as a practical matter, it's a device that's available. You may not like it, but when the head of the union is out there saying guys should do this and somebody does it, what do you do about it? You get pissed about it. Or you can understand this is just one of the factors. This is just something we need to navigate as we try to solve this problem. Yeah, no, that 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 I think you said it right. And I think you know when you get back to the trade thing, I think that the the thing that hits on me is like you said. I think it's a it's the contender thing, right? You know, I, I of course I don't see a bottom of the league or a team that knows they're not going to be a legit contender, anything like that. Going, oh, let me get Jonathan Taylor and give myself these headaches here dealing with this in the offseason. You know, I, I think the, the thing I look at is, yeah, like, you know, a team like the Baltimore Ravens getting into the trade, trade deadline going, ooh, man, J.K. Dobbins, maybe he's still not 100%. Or, man, we got everything except I wish our running back or running game was better. Just I'm throwing out an example. A team like that. Or Joe Mixon got banged up for the Bengals, and they go, oh, man, we're a Super Bowl team. We can win it, but we need another guy on the offense or running back, I think that's the scenario. And I also think that's a scenario that will motivate Taylor, even though he might not get paid right away. He'll go, well, at least I'm out of Indianapolis and I'm on a good football team and got something going here in that direction. So uh, I could see that happening, Mike. The elephant in the room is how real is this ankle injury? Yeah. Is it a hold-in, an old-school hold-in where a guy – could play if he wanted to but isn't going to because he's not happy with his contract situation here's Chris Ballard answering the question of why Jonathan Taylor is still on the physically unable to perform list as for the decision to put him on PUP it's when you're still having effects from last year's surgery um, and still having pain and not 100% we're not going to put a player on the field that's still complaining of pain in the ankle. I'm not going to do that, an injury. I wouldn't do that to any player. Wouldn't treat anybody any differently. 
So what Jonathan will do is he will rehab his butt off and try to get himself ready to go. All right, time's yours. Chris, what you just said is opposite to what a team source said about a team not believing that Taylor is actually Do you guys believe Jonathan Taylor is lying about his injuries? What I just told you was he still has pain in the ankle. Just pain in the ankle. And see, that's how easy it is to hold in. If the team is not going to engage in the unseemly exercise of saying, we don't believe you have pain in the ankle. There's no test you can give someone that comes back with a yes or a no on whether or not the person is feeling pain. Pain is entirely subjective. So, look, Jim Ursay thinks the CBA gives him a variety of rights and powers over a player reality gives the player the ability to push back a little and even if they think he's embellishing you know I said all along the Colts have Jonathan Taylor in checkmate that he should just take the 4.3 million and go play have a big year and see how it plays out he found a way to turn the tables on them if they're not going to question the veracity of his complaint that he has pain in his ankle he doesn't have to play now, does it help him? And this is why my prior opinion was he should play. Because I don't think it helps him next year if he doesn't play this year. How does that help him? He missed six games in 2022. He missed 17 games in 2023 because of this lingering ankle problem. You just have to hope that the other teams are like, oh, yeah, we know the ankle was fine. He'll be fine. Even then, he missed a whole year. There's no guarantee he's going to be fine next year. Even if he could play now, if he doesn't play at all this year, we, we talked about this with Deshaun Watson. You take a guy out of the game for a year, yeah. may have a hard time finding his magic back. I, I, I agree. I, finding your magic back, you lose explosiveness, you lose your feel for the game, right? Everybody in football questions, you know, where's his body at? Where's his mind at in this whole thing? You know, yeah, Watson didn't, hasn't looked the same, right? And even this preseason, it was better, but, you know, their offense certainly hasn't been a high-functioning machine there in Cleveland, all right? And then the other example we have is an, a running back in Le'Veon Bell. He never looked the same either. And, yeah, I don't think that does anybody any good as far as anybody in Jonathan Taylor's camp by sitting out the year and doing nothing. Uh, I don't think that's that's the best thing for him, you know, overall. And like we've talked about, you got to get your money while you can. You can't leave it on the table here. And look, the trade didn't happen, so the details really don't matter. But the Packers acknowledged they looked into it, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. They have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and they're supposedly rebuilding. I think the big takeaway from that is they don't think they're rebuilding. If they're thinking about Jonathan Taylor, they don't think they're rebuilding. They think they're trying to take this thing to the next level, and the yeah. Dolphins were in on it as well. Right. And apparently, right. apparently, the Colts wanted Jalen Waddle. <laughs> And so I don't think you're getting the trade done for Jonathan Taylor if the Colts want the guy you used the sixth overall pick in the draft on two years ago, and he's turned out to be pretty damn good. Right. I think that's a non-starter or damn close to it. Well, see, that's, again, though, another thing you can put in the category of this is kind of messed up. They're showing you what they think of the player, how valuable he is. They want a – superstar receiver in return 
but they want to basically pay him minimum wage for his job. And again, that's that's the that's where it don't look good. I don't care what anybody says. It's not a good look for the NFL, the Colts, anybody. You know, I'm not saying again, I'm not blaming anybody there, but that's where it's weird. And then the Green Bay thing, Mike, I got to think there was an involve like that talk there involved swapping a running back to a degree. I would think. I mean, were they going to give him AJ Dillon? Had with to. that, I mean, Had I would to. think so, right? I mean, they need a running back. They need something else on the offensive side of the ball. That's for sure. But even then, with all the teams in the NFL, two of them, the Packers and the Dolphins, who didn't even come remotely close to putting enough on the table, that should be a message to the Colts that maybe they want too much for Jonathan Taylor and maybe the right solution is work it out. And meanwhile, you know, a lot of Colts fans get upset when I criticize Jim Say, Hey, folks. Maybe you should hold your owner accountable. Maybe if he heard it from you, his customers, maybe he'd change his ways. Because even though they won a Super Bowl on his watch, it wasn't because of anything he did per se. He just didn't get in the way. He's getting in the way now, and it's dragging down the team, and it's creating problems for a team that could have been a potential contender this year. But with this cloud, as Chris Ballard said, you got to be all paddling in the right direction, and they're not, and it's going to be hard for the Colts to win. Let's take a break. It's going to be hard for the Chiefs to win one week from tonight without defensive tackle Chris Jones. Will he be on the field or not? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.